0: Good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. We're glad you can join us as we kick off a new semester at Men's Leadership Network. Uh, I wanna say a welcome to everybody here in the Franklin campus, but also welcome to everybody meeting with us at satellite locations in Middle Tennessee today. Welcome to everybody at Bricks in Cool Springs, everybody meeting at Highway 55 in Nolensville. We're glad you could join us. Uh, We're gonna go with the same format this morning. We're gonna go for about 30, 40 minutes and then take some questions. So if you've got questions during this time for Eric, you can get those to me two ways. You can tweet them in, the Twitter handle is at leadership underscore net, or you can email those in to questions at com. We're excited to kick off a new series this morning by interviewing one of our newest members of the Rolling Hills staff, Eric Roges. As executive pastor, Eric plays the role of coach, developer, and overseer of the staff and ministries. Eric has 14 total years experience as executive pastor and has been on the staff at Rolling Hills in this capacity since mid-2017. Eric also loves to serve the church at large. As a writer, he was a contributing author for Group Publishing's Men's Ministry in the 21st Century. In addition, he has written for industry-leading publications such as Church Executive Magazine, Church Solutions Magazine, and Expastor.org. He received his bachelor's degree from Judson University and his Masters of Divinity from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. During his 25 plus years of ministry, get ready for this. Eric has served in churches across the country as youth pastor, adult ministry pastor, small groups pastor, associate pastor, worship pastor, men's pastor, and sports pastor. I think that's about everything. Eric <laughs> certainly qualifies you for executive pastor. Uh, as much as Eric enjoys the ministry, his real joy in First Ministry is his family. Uh, currently, he's married. Uh, currently, his wife Rachel of 25 years. Uh, And Eric live in Spring Hill, Tennessee. They're proud parents of their son, Luke, his wife, Megan, their son, Adam, and their daughter, Chloe. Please join me in welcoming Eric Rojas.
1: Eric, yeah. Uh, I've
2: never been a men's pastor or women's
1: pastor. Yeah, that's
0: that's good. good. That's that's a one role, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've done it all, man. Eric, we're so glad you're here. And I'll tell you, God's using you in a mighty way already. And God has already been using you to impact the kingdom in so many big ways. Tell us about your growing up years. What was it like growing up for you?
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh, my life. My wife likes to say that uh, how did I turn out even <laughs> semi-normal? And and uh, I had a, a kind of a crazy uh, upbringing. I had uh, loving grandparents on my mom's side that mm. that loved Jesus, and uh, they had one daughter, my mom, and uh, my mom and my my dad. And I, I say dad, um, you know, real lightly because they were getting a divorce Mm. and they were separated and they kind of got together for a little bit, tried to reconcile and uh, conceive me. And then um, my dad left the picture. So um, I've actually never met my dad. One time my my mom and I were uh, driving and she was trying to like follow him. And I saw him coming out of a 7-Eleven and he saw my mom and she kind of chased him and i just see him running into a car and driving off we actually chased him for a while and that's the only time i ever wow. saw my dad was his back <laughs> coming out of uh, of Seven Eleven. and you know by god's grace uh, there's been men in my life and, mm-hmm. and by god's grace he's just uh, allowed me to understand what it means to have a heavenly father mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and so i've never even thought much about it and never had a desire to see him but then you know my mom um had a a lot of issues she had a lot of difficulties and and um you know she was a heavy smoker and she was uh, significantly overweight and ended up being bankrupt and we lived in a house that was really falling down um we had a remember taking a bath and the walls would literally be kinda just falling apart around the bathtub and and the water we lived with a well and the, the water was just was red, you know, from the rust, and and uh, uh, but she had tried to stay at home and be a stay-at-home mom and do, like, telemarketing so that mm. she could, you know, raise me and, and be in the home, and, um, you know, there was a, a couple of different ladies that lived with us um, during the course of our time, and uh, it wasn't, um, uh, you know, overt, um, you know, gay relationships, but it sure seems like it was, especially... Mm after the fact and so this is what I grew up in as an only child and and this type of environment and you know went to went to public school but but my mom did love Jesus Mm -hmm. and at seven years old on the tree stump in our front front lawn she she told me what it meant to to be a follower of Christ and and I accepted and I remember it to this day and then she was involved and we'll get the details but kind of a a crazy uh, charismatic church Mm -hmm. and so I'm getting baptized at this uh, national convention of this charismatic church in uh, Neodesha, Kansas, in a hotel bathtub. So that's, <laughs> that's where I got baptized. Uh, it got to my middle school years, and uh, just got into to, to drugs and all mm. sorts of stuff. At, you know, In uh, my high school years, I ended up selling drugs, and mm. was doing sports until my, my senior year, and I dropped out of everything because I was, I was into, into drugs. But um, the Lord ended up leading me to, to Judson University uh, mainly so I could be with my girlfriend that was in the same town. I yeah. had a whole another plan, and uh, then it was there, um, my first week that I recommitted my life to Christ wow. uh, at an old, an old Christian artist named Benny Hinn, or but not Benny Hinn, Benny uh, Benny Hester, <laughs> like not Benny, Benny Hinn, Hinn with the hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it like twelve jokes there. I won't use any of them, but uh, Benny Hester, and uh, and I realized you know Jesus had been my Savior at seven, but He had not been my Lord, and mm. and that was the moment that. He became lord of my life. Um, the, the, the rest of that story, just in terms of my mom, is Rachel and I uh got um married, and six months later, uh, at 53, we, we i found her um you know uh, dead, mm. um, and she had had some massive heart uh you know heart attack or something like that. And so, um, so it's been it's been quite the quite the ride from a family perspective, right. but that's why I have uh, such a huge heart for you know, for, for ministry and, and for men's ministry and, and for having a family that I can raise in a, in a, in a godly fashion. So that's the crazy, that's when my wife says, how did you turn out like even, she won't, she
1: won't say that I'm normal at all, but she'll say, how'd you turn out even semi-normal? So. Wow. Yeah. Praise God. I mean, yeah. just looking at his sovereignty in your life and, you know, God drawing you to himself at seven and just taking care of you and um, protecting you. And yeah, I'm hmm. thankful. So, who were some of the men in your life during those years that kind of really helped shape
2: you? Yeah, you know, um, my mom really tried to do a good job of like getting me into a WANA when I was a kid, into, um, you know, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. Yeah. So, there would be men in my life. Um, there was one guy that was in the neighborhood that she tried to really have invest in me uh, to some degree. So, she really, she really, like one story, you know, uh, comes to mind. It was at Christmas time. And, um, and, and she would tried to do all she could with the little bit of money she had. Well, she took uh, me and Nancy, this lady was living with us, into the kitchen at Christmas, and next thing I know is I, I hear this noise on the roof, and we come out from the, from the kitchen, and all the presents were there, you know? And, and, and I went outside. I'm, like, looking for Santa. You know, where, where is he? And, and, uh, but she would do things like that and um. get men to invest in me um, but um, it really was my, my grandfather. Now, he died when I was 14, but my grandfather loved Jesus, mm. and, um, and, and you know, he really taught me what it meant to be a man. He, he's the one that um, would give me some of life lessons. You know, I, I had to scrape out his, you know, uh, his pipe, <laughs> I had to clean out his pipe for him and things like that, and cut wood and all those types of things. But, but he really taught me what it meant to be a man. And then later on, when I went to Judson, I just recommitted my life to Christ. I had a mentor. By name of Dr. Bob Laurent, and he was a professor there. And you know, while we didn't do a ton of one on one, we were great friends, and, and he would really, you know, mentor me and lead me and just tell me what it means to, to be a, a true follower of Christ and yeah. to hide God's, wor- God's word in my heart and what it means to, to not just be, you know, um, you know, just a follower, but truly make Jesus the Lord and how that plays out in, in all of my life. And so to this day, I still count. Uh, Dr. Bob, who's actually a teaching pastor at Granger Community Church, uh, now um, as one of my one of my key mentors.
1: So. Mm. Was it your grandfather who gave you the love for the Chicago Cubs? It <laughs> was. It was.
2: Yeah. They. Uh, you know. My part of my upbringing was. You know. I grew up. My my mom. I'd go to this this charismatic church downtown Chicago. Is and. of the story i want to get into but it was all african-american except for my mom and me and her friend and like 80 people and and the three of us and so and it was like dancing till two in the morning and then she dropped me off like at two you know two three in the morning and then on you know saturday night or friday night saturday morning and then i'd go to the north side of chicago and my grandparents lived at 1922 waveland which if you hit a ball over the left field fence of wrigley field it's waveland avenue so it's just a few blocks down Uh and i'd go to north shore baptist Church on Sunday morning. So I grew up as this cares Baptist, you know, this weird deal. Um, but, you know, I was born a mile from Wrigley Field and I would walk to the park. And so um, yeah, I didn't have a choice in life, you know, it was just, <laughs> I was, I was destined to be a Cub fan. So. That's awesome. So you were yeah.
1: pretty excited when they won the World Series. Oh that-
2: man. You know, I'm sitting there and, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a crier. I try, I am over the edge when it comes to the Cubs, but, and I'm very, you know, I'll, I'll stop there. But I, I, I was, I went, our family there, except for my daughter Chloe yes. and my daughter-in-law Megan was there and my daughter Chloe goes to Eastern Kentucky and so she couldn't make it back but my my oldest son uh, Luke who's 24 and his daughter Megan who's 24 and Adam who's 22 were there with me and then my daughter wanted to FaceTime me as the Cubs won so she's FaceTiming me but um she was like a second ahead and so, like, they're about to go to the last, the last out, the last strike, you know, that type of thing. I said, bye, Chloe. I, I, I was like, i got to experience this myself. And she's like, what are you doing? My, my dad just hung up on me. And so we were celebrating, and I called her right back. And then, I'm sorry, but I'm thinking of my grandpa. I'm thinking of, I really didn't think they'd ever win. And I'm crying. Yeah. And my daughter, who has, does, does not understand sport, or my daughter-in-law, who really doesn't understand sports? So she's getting much better. So way to go, Megan, if you're watching. Um, but she looks at me. She goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> so I'm crying. The Cubs won. So That's yeah, awesome. yeah, I'm a I'm a huge Cubs fan. Too, I gotta check I gotta check myself every once in a while on the <laughs> idol side of things with that. But.
1: well, you know that. But but that shaped you, right? You know, in uh, men's ministry and sports ministry have always been a big part of your heart, and you can see that. You know, mm. you can see growing up there and how the grandfather and the other men that God just sovereignly brought into your life, and then sports and how that helped. Talk about why you were so passionate about men's ministry and sports ministry.
2: Yeah. You know, as, as we'd heard in the intro, I'd done a bunch of different things. Yeah, you know, I, was, yeah. I got a, a music degree from, from Judson, but I actually was going to Judson to, um, to want, I wanted to go to law school, okay. but I could, get a, I could get a music degree and go to law school, and I'm trying all these different things out in the church, and then I realized during my time there, I, I felt called to ministry. And I'm going to, you know, um, to, to seminary. But as I'm there, I'm realizing, boy, music and small groups and all these different, even I did a bunch of preaching. I'm like, but, but one of the huge holes in the church is really coming alongside men, you know, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, we just live in a, in a day and age when, you know, men are supposed to put on this facade that they, they've got their act together. You know, they're supposed to have the machismo and, and, and they're hitting all their quotas and they're doing everything they're supposed to do and, and, and that type of deal. And the reality is so many of us as men are just hurting on the inside. You know, and, and um, I, I love, you know, Bible studies. I love, you know, couples, small groups. I mean, I love all those different opportunities to do life together but then there's something about men's ministry, mano a mano, mm. you know, as Proverbs says, Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen, 17, as iron sharpens iron, yeah. so one brother sharpens another. And yeah. so, you know, in fact, my, my men's group is watching right now, what's up, guys? And <laughs> we just started, and, and I've always been a big believer in men's groups because we can say things in that environment and hold each other accountable to things in that environment that you just don't do in a mixed setting, yeah. you know? And we're, we all struggle to some degree with with lust we all struggle with with power issues and control and some of those things we just can't aren't going to come up you know in a couple settings yeah. so whatever we can do to whatever I can do to help um, you know influence men and encourage them and and sharpen them that's been a huge thing and then on the sports side am just very competitive I love you know every sport out there you know get me playing ping pong get me playing <laughs> I don't like soccer I'm sorry you guys soccer people I just, I'm not a huge <laughs> soccer guy haven't really understood that but other than that I'm a big sports guy and and what I have found through the years is you know there will be some of our neighbors and coworkers that don't know Christ that'll come to a Sunday morning that's awesome you know there'll be some guys that'll that'll come to a special event but then there's some guys that you know they just won't come to anything they're yeah. far from the lord you know got a couple of people like that in my life right now but they'll maybe come to a, a sports thing they'll come play on a softball team with yeah. you you know they'll come play basketball with you i've even had you know, people in the past that, you know, started fantasy football or, you know, leagues and and guys will come and be a part of that. And if you do it, not just to be a good old boys network, but do it with purpose. I like to say sports with a purpose. Um, Phenomenal things for the kingdom can happen. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to doing at at Rolling Hills is to really get our sports ministry, not just sports programs, but sports with a purpose up and running. And so if somebody comes to me and says, I'd love to start, you know a ping pong club. Great. Let's talk about how we can do that evangelistically, you know, and how we can do that to reach people for Christ. So, um, so my passion for sports and what I've seen the benefits of reaching people is, is why I've, uh, you know, dug, dug into so much uh, sports ministry through the years. So
1: I love that. And how have you seen that play out? Because, you know, when you look at men's ministry, you look at sports ministry, I mean, you're, you're shaping men, right. And you're calling men to step up and, and to be spiritual leaders. How do you define spiritual leadership? Yeah. Um, you know, spiritual
2: leadership is, people
1: have tried to define that for,
2: for years, yeah. you know, and um, from Oswald Sanders, which yeah. was just influenced to any number, Maxwell's got that. You know, for me, um, the way I look at it is a couple of different aspects of it. One is that I am doing everything I can to to ingest and live by um, the Word of God, you know, mm-hmm. and that it is transforming my life um, so that as I'm leading as I'm, you know, um, I have a group of people that I'm shepherding and coaching, I'm doing it from a place that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. And so what's on my heart? Is it a bunch of you know, good, uh, good leadership principles that are secular and whatever, but are they great, the ones that come from, from God and the Spirit? When you memorize scripture as a leader, you know, God just brings it to mind in a moment of coaching. So spiritual leadership first for me is, is being at a place where I'm walking with the Lord and, and ingesting his word. And then secondly, is I'm giving coaching and I'm giving advice and I'm helping people think through a filter of spirituality. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's right. against the powers and principalities of this dark world and the issues that our people are having at work or at home. Or, they're first and foremost a spiritual battle. Mm. And so we have to, as leaders, help them see that this is a spiritual battle. Our, I mean, one of the first things that I'll tell, I, have you spent time fasting about this? You know, mm. what does God's word say about this? You know, um, because they're listening to to parents and coworkers and friends that are, are you know could be given really bad advice. Um, you know, it could be just really secular advice. So, live in God's word and help people think through the filter of what God's doing in their life. That's. That's the long answer for me of spiritual leadership.
1: Man, I love that, though, because that's that dual, right? It's inward, but then it's also being bold enough to step in and and engage, you know? And it's not just sitting back. And this is our day and our time, you know? You're right. That's why we do men's leadership, right? Because we feel like if you impact a man for Christ, you're going to impact a marriage, you're going to impact a family, you're going to impact a workplace. How have you seen God use men in workplaces and in their homes to make a huge impact for Christ? Yeah, you know, um, I think...
2: There's a couple things. You know, I think one is, again, if men are in the word and yeah. they're, they're, they're regular and they're in, in not, to church, not to check a box if they're going to church, but they're being encouraged. And again, out of the overflow, you know, people see that in their lives and they're drawn to that. Like, yeah. what makes you different, yeah. you know? So that's a, that's a big deal that I've just seen so many conversations. I think of a friend of mine, uh, Joe, and Joe owns a, a big company. And yes, he's got a place of influence as, as an owner. Um, but what does he do that I, I rarely have seen anybody in a place of influence do? Every Thanksgiving, he's got about 200 employees, and he brings them all together. That's when he gives his bonuses. It's not at Christmas time or end of the year. He does it at Thanksgiving because he wants to proclaim thanks to God for the blessing on his business. And then he brings these 200 people together, and it's this—it's a chemical flavor company. And so there's like these, you know, these salespeople. There's these, you know. Warehouse people, there's the scientists, you know, and they're all in this room together. And then he brings in a pastor to share a message of Thanksgiving and, and then the gospel. And I've had the privilege of doing that with these 200 people, the most eclectic audience I've ever spoken to. But, you know, there's a guy that thought through purposefully what can I do in my sphere of influence, you know, to lead people to, to a relationship with Christ and yeah. give him the glory. And I think that's one of the big words I would say for us as men that I've got to think about and I blow it. This, I'm not speaking from a place of perfection or what I'm, I'm speaking from a place of having blown it over and over again. But it's purpose. Mm. You know, men are not influential if, if they're not if, if, on, on accident. Mm. You know, they're only influential yes. in their families and in their workplace and in their neighborhoods if they are purposeful in prayer and purposeful in planning. God, what would you have me to do? You know, what, would, what type of influence do I have and what can I do? To transform my world, the, the network of people that you've given me in this particular moment in time, so that's how I've seen God work through through men. You know? man,
1: I love that because I think you're exactly right. if you're not on purpose, right it's not going to happen and, and, and you've got to step out and, and really be bold and say, okay, uh, I'm mm. going to step up here. Uh, Eric, tell me this because man, I just, your story is so powerful, but you know for all of us, right, whether we had a great dad growing up or whether we didn't have a good dad. This is our time, and we can change our family tree. I mean, we can literally, and, and you're doing that. You are a great dad, and I, I think a lot of that's been driven out of your past, but you are making such a huge impact in your family. You know, you've got two college athletes right now that are playing college sports, and t- tell us why you are such a great dad and how you do that so well. Oh, man. Um- I don't think I'm that great.
2: I blow, I blow it way too uh, often, well, you know. But um, but I will say that, um, you know, my wife kind of jokes because I'm, um, you know, I'm a planner. We're in our goal season here at Rolling Hills. I love setting goals. And um, she was just telling somebody this week about every, you know, anniversary, and here comes the napkin and goals for the next year. And, but, you know, I, 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 uh, I, we set goals. I set goals. I talk about and, and sometimes our family didn't know about the goals. And, again, they're all either uh, I've got one that's married and, and two that are um, – you know that are in college still. One's a senior and, and, and one's a, a junior in college. Um, but you know, having having our family times weekly, you know, talking about scripture, having Bible reading plans, um, you know, all those types of things just were were really important to say, hey, you know, first and foremost, I'm committed to Christ, but second, I'm committed, you know, to my family, and and I want to do all I can. And especially as a as a pastor, just trying to you know allow us to live such an authentic and open life. You know, when you blow it you just you're honest about it you know i like to think of spiritual growth um you know like like the dow jones right it's like if you look over over a course of a week or a month you know there's a lot of up and downs this week in particular right i mean a huge down and then a big up um and that happens in our life yeah you know but if you look over the course of time a week a month you know especially a year a decade the dow is up into the right yeah and what i try to teach my kids is hey our goal we're gonna blow it and when i blow it i want to i want to learn from that. I want to confess it, and then let's get back up, you know, just like the Dow does. And as we look back over this month and this year and whatever, are we seeing our growth, our trajectory, you know, for the sake of Christ? Because it's not a straight line, our walk with the Lord, you know. And then on the, the sports side, because I know a lot of you guys have, have athletes, um, and let me just say, it is tough on so many levels to have kids that are athletes, you know. Um, we tried early on to say, hey, you know what, try everything, you know, try, uh, you know, we had them try, our daughter tried dance, we had them do, you know, theater things, a lot of music, a bunch of different sports, and Rachel ran, my wife Rachel ran cross country in college, I played baseball in college, and so uh, we wanted to kind of make sure we just didn't have them go exactly the path that we wanted them to go, but we found that they had this this gifting for sports, all three of them, my daughter has continued on with music and she does worship leading as well but you know all three of them with this proclivity and this love for Mm -hmm. sports and so then it was a matter of well how do you do this right you know how do you how do you steward this gift that they've been given and as a parent in today's day and age it is not easy at all because sports just drive everything and so you know i tried to first just tell my kids you know what guys you know this is a gift and we want to make the most of it but we've got to make decisions that are honoring to god and so we would play on travel teams but maybe it wasn't always the top travel team because it just was too much money or it was going to be too much time or whatever um, but we wanted to make sure they got training to see if they wanted to keep doing it um, and then you know there are also times when I, we just had to stand up and say you know what um i think of it, it, there are a bunch of times like this but but uh, my daughter is playing cl- uh, really high level of club volleyball and she plays at uh, eastern kentucky uh, university now and, um, uh, and, you know, they were going to switch a big tournament to get to nationals on Easter weekend. You know, that was going to be the, the qualifying tournament. And so I just said, I'm sorry, Chloe, we're not doing it. She's like, but I'll let my team down. I was like, well, but you're going to let God down if you do it on, on Easter weekend. So I actually got a couple of parents and we talked to the coach and we said, you know what, guys, um, we, we don't want to let the team down. But, but we, we got to obey God rather than man. And we're not doing this. And uh, they changed the date. They change the date. And not, not that they're always going to do that, but I, I ask parents have you tried? Have you, have you really thought about that? Mm-hmm. Have you even, you know, we just automatically just say, okay, almighty sports, we'll do whatever you say, when we, that shouldn't be our, our posture. Right. It should be, we're going to be stewards, but we're going to honor God in that process. And there were a couple moments where the kids did let the team down, or, or they did get, a, you know, the, the coach is mad at them, or whatever, because they're missing a practice on Good Friday, or whatever the case may be. But it's so, so important um, to, to put God first. And, you know, it happens with church all the time, too. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, have, I go to church. The average church attendance now once a month. Well, probably because three times those a month they're at swim meets and they're mm. at sports. It's like, really, guys? Like, mm. is, that, is that really where the, mm. the focus is? What are you teaching your kids? And then I, now as I'm older, I see so many kids that were in our sports that start out in the church and they're no longer in the church. Mm. And Why? Why is that? Well, what did you model for them, guys? What did you model for them? So it's a hard deal, but uh, I just always said, God first, sports second. And you got to be committed and you
1: got to be creative um, on how to work, work them both. So. Well, you've done a great job with it. I mean, I, and I know it's not easy, and you're trying to get the games and, and all those things, but, but you also have a family text that you keep up with. Tell, tell us about that because I think that's an awesome way that you've continued to disciple your kids, even when they're in college or married now.
2: Yeah, I started with this, we called it the Rogers family, uh, the Rojas <laughs> family uh, thought of the day, and uh, you know, it, it spells out um and so uh, <laughs> really creative. Um, and then my kids would make fun of me for the Rooftood, so then I just started not doing every, just randomly kind of t- texting and verses, and, and we still do that a lot. And then there's uh, a few of us, so my, uh, my son Luke, my daughter-in-law Megan, and my son Adam, and we decided to start a, a text deal where we, um, uh, three or four times a week, we're reading scripture out of a, a U version plan, and then we text what we came up with, you know, out of it, our takeaways and questions and, and that type of a deal. And then if somebody misses, it's like, where are you, Adam? Oh, come on. <laughs> Sorry, Adam, but you're usually the one that miss. So, you know, <laughs> come on, do it. You know, and so it's been really awesome to, to just be able, especially now that we're not living in the same town, to be able to stay connected and, and just continue to be try to be a spiritual influence in their lives. Oh yeah.
1: So, I, I love that. I yeah. love that. And I love hearing about that and watching that. Uh, let me ask you this. What do you pray for your kids?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't have a, a gift of prayer, but boy, I'm really committed to prayer. And about 20 hmm. years ago, I started, to, I don't even know where <laughs> I got the idea. It, was what, it wasn't my idea, but I stole it from somebody. But I have this, I have a binder, I have a three-ring binder, it's you know, one of those like half sheets, and, and I open and there's a place where I journal two, three, four times a week, but then I've got a section for each of us, each of the family members, and the first page of each of our sections is just a list of big picture things, you know, that, that my, you know, my sons would grow to be godly men, that they'd have godly wives, that they'd stay pure, and I've got like 20 of those, and whenever I do it, three, four, I don't make it, I don't feel like I have to be pharisaical about it, but I do one or two of those, and I just have a post-it. And I just kind of move the post-it down, and then I pray another one, and I bring the post-it down. And it's so awesome whether it's, because this is like a 20-year-old piece of paper, right? Yeah. And so to be able to take a highlighter and baptism, you know, um, recently my, uh, you know, I've been praying for, tw- you know, 20 years for my oldest son, Luke, for all my kids, to, to have godly spouses and godly wife in his case, and so,
1: um,
0: I've never talked about this. Um, to have prayed for 20 years for my son to have a godly spouse, and to take—sorry, the Cubs
2: and my kids—to um, to take a highlighter. And be able, after 20 years, to highlight and put PTL, praise the Lord, that my son married my daughter-in-law, Megan, who loves Jesus. And then to take a picture of that and to send it to him and send it to Megan and say, Megan, you're the answer of a 20-year prayer. Wow. is just uh, one of the highlights of my life that I got two more of those opportunities to come. Um, and then the, So that's a page for each of us. And then I've got a section where it's just the daily stuff. And on the left side, I write things down, whatever my kids are going through, and I write it down. I've got a line down the middle. Because then I come back on the other side, and I write down the answered prayers. So I can yeah. go back in this journal and see, Chloe was really nervous about you know, a team or about a, a class or a meeting or a job or whatever. And like, look at God's faithfulness. Yeah. Look at God's faithfulness. So,
1: so big picture stuff and daily stuff, I'm just trying to pray for them
2: regularly. Yeah.
1: Man, I love that, you know, and boy, kids, they're at your heart, you know, and and that's what you see, and that's spiritual leadership, I think, too. Um, Eric, you you not only lead your family, but you you lead a lot of people here at at work, and uh, what is it like to lead men and to lead a staff? What what do you, how do you lead, and what do you pray for for them? Yeah, you know, I just, I
2: love... I love people. I know you love people. I love people. That's why we're a good, a good team. Um, I love building into people. I love coming alongside and, and just trying to be a mirror for them, to help them. You know, I, I don't have all the answers to what everybody's got going on in their lives or their ministries, but I certainly can take now a lot of years of experience and a lot of years of failure and be able to, to help, you know. And um, so that's what I love is coaching and, and befriending and, and um, you know, getting a word from from you or our executive team or whatever in terms of where we're going and help to coach along the way. You know, and I pray for their families. I pray for a balance of it's, I mean, I love what I do, but yeah. sometimes I get caught up and, and do too much of it. You know, pray for a balance for their, for their families. I pray for, you know, protection and for spiritual leadership in their homes. And, um, you know, I also pray for wisdom when it comes to, to things like finances and, and, and purity. You know, as I heard years ago yeah. and it blew me away, Kent Hughes was the Pastor of senior pastor of College Church, which is on the campus of Wheaton, uh, Wheaton College, and he would pray for his staff that if there was any, um, any uh, sexual sin that was going on in their lives, that they would die. Seriously, he would just say, wow. he, he did not want that as a part of his church, and he'd pray that they would die. Staff, I have not prayed for you to die, yeah. so don't worry about that. But yeah. I am praying. Repentance. I, <laughs> repentance. Yeah. I am praying for for protection i am yeah. praying for wisdom i am praying that if something goes on there would be repentance and they'd seek help and mm-hmm. and that it wouldn't be discovery where they're discovered but it would be there'd be confession yeah. you know and oh, yeah. um and so those are just some of the big picture things i'm praying for 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 our staff and our team as i lead
1: yeah that's strong because i mean you, you're in a position to lead people now you know and many of these guys everybody's leading at work in some capacity not only at home but leading at work and it's a different leading at home than it is leading at work. But, man, that's the spiritual leadership side, of stepping in. Hey, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Hmm. Um, you know,
2: I've gotten some really good advice and gotten some really bad advice. Um, but um, I'll go back to, to Dr. Bob, you know, um, my mentor from Judson. And we were in a class on, on uh, the life of Christ and did a lot of, talked a lot about Matthew. And I remember talking to him after class one day. And, uh, you know, he said, here's the deal. He said, You ever thought of Matt? And I had just, he had encouraged me. I actually just had just memorized the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew mm-hmm. 5, 6, and 7. And Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine that people may, pray, uh, people may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. And he said, You know, Eric, here's the thing I see with Christians all the time. It says, People stop halfway through the verse. You know, let your lo- light so shine that people may see your good works. And the reality is, is that Mormons have good works, mm-hmm. you know? Atheists have good works. Hindus have good works, and so we can be good people in our neighborhoods, and our businesses, and on the baseball sidelines. And people go, "That's a good person. He's a he's a great guy or great guy." Yeah. But do they know who to praise? Yeah. You know, let your light so shine that people may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Yeah. So his advice to me was let people know who to praise. Mm. Let people know who to praise. And so I, I'm not great at it. I'm not perfect at it. I'm I don't have the gift of evangelism. I can't lead somebody to the Lord between the fourth and fifth floors of an elevator, you know, but, but I, I do, I'm purposeful and I think about it. Um, okay. How do I, how do I tell them that, you know, I love my church and that I love Jesus and, and, and that there's something different in my life. So,
1: man, I love that. I mean, let people know who to praise that that's strong, you know, well, Eric, you, you, God has blessed you and used you in such a mighty way. I mean, being married, Twenty five years. Congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank and you. Thank being you. A, a great dad, a great leader. And you've been executive pastor of a huge church in Chicago, six thousand people. And now God has you here. What are what are two takeaways for being spiritual leaders? What, what would you tell us as men? Give us two takeaways for being spiritual leaders.
2: Yeah, one's going to be a, a, a rep, repetition is going to be, you know, just be in the word, be men of prayer. And 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 because guys just don't do that. You know, I mean, I've been in men's groups for years, and, and actually our group right now is doing a great job. But um, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't have time for, you know, I had too much going on. And, but what Martin Luther did? I've got so much to do today. I've got to spend an extra hour in prayer. You know, we need to, we need to be men that are in God's word if we want to be spiritual leaders. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to be just leaders and not spiritual, godly leaders. And the second one is, this is a men's group. Uh, men's video. So you know, you gotta, you gotta grow a pair, man. You gotta get some karunas, all right? Because guys just don't. They're they're too wussy at times. You know, they're too scared about what their coworkers are gonna say. You know, they're too even with their their wives and praying. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many guys just won't lead in prayer with their wives or their families because they're they're too scared um, or they're too nervous or so they don't think they know enough or or you know they lead one way at church and then their mouth and their actions you know on Monday through Friday are completely different. That is that's not being a spiritual leader. You know, uh-huh. um, that's just actually our family was reading through Revelation and mm-hmm. and you know God said I don't want you to be there. You know, I want you to be hot or cold, otherwise I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And, and so I, I just want guys to, and for me, I, I'm preaching to the, the choir first and foremost, just to step up, you know, and, and, to, and to not be afraid, not be a wuss, and
1: be willing to, to, to take a risk for God, you know. Wow, I love that, because this is our time. I mean, we just, man, we yep. don't, it goes so quick, it just goes so quick. So, so what do you want your legacy to be?
2: Yeah. You know, I knew this question was coming. It's like, I've thought about it for, you know, 20 years. Like, gosh, this is going to be on video forever. Like, what am I going to say? So, you know, I think, as I think about it, there's four elements. The first is I do want people to remember me and, and my legacy to be somebody that, that loved God and was, was willing to do whatever it took to, to follow Christ. Yeah. Second is to love my family and my wife and my kids and to do whatever I whatever I could to lead them to Christ and to support them and to love them, you know. Uh, third is that he loved the church. You know, mm-hmm. I've given my life to the church, and I love—it's it, it, it's not a man-made, you know, organization. It's a God-made thing, and my, my job is to help, you know, create as much ministry productivity through the church as I can, and, and that I did the best I could at that. And then and the last one is on that spiritual leadership is that, you know, that I live my life personally And, you know, through my own personal life and working with people that I pointed them to a filter of Christ when they were going through joys and sorrows, you know, when they had good times and bad, um, that uh, that that the first point was to
1: was to Christ, you know, and not to other other sources. That's strong. That's strong. I mean, I love that. You know, let your light so shine. Not that men just see our good deeds, but that they praise our father in heaven. Man, that's great. Hey, we got a couple of questions for you. Sure. You right. Okay. All right. Thomas?
0: Okay, uh, Eric, other, other than don't be a wuss as your <laughs> answer, uh, <laughs> first question says, I, <laughs> I work in an office that is not open to people talking about their faith openly, but I feel led to reach the other members of my team that are non-believers. What advice do you have for striking that balance?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great question. And I do know that, you know, I know lots of people in business environments and professional you know, um, uh, whether it's city or county or whatever, um, governmental type things where you can't do that. You know, First Thessalonians 2.8 says, we're delighted share, to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well because you've become so dear to us. So I'd say first and foremost, what I would do, what I try to do is just invest my life as much as I can. And as I'm investing my life, even if the, the door to the gospel is shut in that moment, there's going to come a point where we're going to be able to go grab dinner together, where we're going to be able yeah. to hit a game together, where we're going to be able to do coffee or we're texting or something. You know, you, you build up that, that equity in the relationship in doing life together to the point where you're then able to be able to, to, share, to share the gospel, you know? And then the Word's going to, if you are living a, a spiritual life, the Word's going to get out and people are going to know who you are and what you stand for. And then you're gonna find that people come to you when difficulties come. You know, they'll be like, who do I go to? I'm going through a divorce or a problem. Well, I'm gonna to go to this person because I know, you know, they've got, they've got, uh, they've got God and, and mm-hmm. I need God right now,
1: so. That's, I mean, I, that is right on, I think. And we've got so many men in our church who are just, they're, they're spiritual leaders at their workplaces, but it, it's, it, you know, it's not just, hey, I'm gonna tell everybody and hold up a sign, but people know it by the way they live, and so, you know, they'll say, "Hey, this person came in my office and just wanted me to pray for them," or they came mm-hmm. by my cube, or you know, we went to lunch and they started opening up. I think that doing life together, we went to a Preds game, and you know, I think I think you're exactly right. And for us to be praying for those opportunities, because when we start that's praying right, for those, yep, yep. God's going to bring them. Yeah. You know, and we start praying for our workplace, we start praying for the families in our workplace who represented. God's going to bring mm-hmm. those. You mm-hmm. know, and and like you said, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be ready. Yeah, yeah that's I good. love that. It's great. Another question.
0: Yeah, Eric, you kind of hit on this, uh, but but obviously family's important to you, work's important to you. What specific steps do you take to balance your work life and your family life?
2: I hope my wife's not watching. It's been a busy couple of weeks. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really, uh, we've, been, we've actually been going through a, a, a two-month focus as a staff here at Rolling Hills on, on soul care, and, um, you know, Nick Allen uh, mm-hmm. spoke this past staff meeting on... On the Sabbath, and that's something that I'm not perfect at by any stretch. But over the years, I've taught my kids the Sabbath and what that means, and I've tried to live um, a, a life with a Sabbath in my life, and and uh, so having that protected. And what I realized is, is when I first started to try to do a Sabbath, um, it just it, it wouldn't happen. And when I first tried to have, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to have time for my wife and what, and so I found I had to start scheduling things, and so I would have, you know, i just write in my day planner, you know, and, and this is my Sabbath, I, you know, this is when my, my lunch date is, or my, my date each month with my wife, and I'd put in one-on-one times for, for my kids, you know, um, I'd take advantage, we would, even with all of our kids playing sports and whatever, we would either move dinner way up, sometimes we eat like at four, or we eat at nine, um, just so that we could be together, yeah. you know, more often than not. Um, and, and too often families are just sitting in front of the TV or scattered or whatever. And they didn't always like that. <laughs> yeah. But I would I would in- enforce that, that, hey, we're doing dinner together. And it's, we're moving it up because Chloe's got this. or moving it back because Luke's got this. But we're going to get together and talk. So And then vacations are another thing, just making time to, to get away and making that a
1: priority. So um, a lot of things, but those are things that come to mind. I think that's right on. If you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, honestly. And, and we could talk about time with your wife. You can talk about time with your kids. You can talk about Sabbath. You can talk about, you know, the things that are priorities, but if you don't schedule it, it won't happen. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I think you're spot on on that. We got time. for One last question.
0: Yeah, I think, I think we do. Um, Eric, I loved your idea of the, of your prayer list for your kids. That, that was, oh. that was really awesome. Um, this is a great question to kind of continue on that. Give us a practical step for continuing to engage your kids' spirituality, uh, when your kids are older and they move out on their own.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I'll tell you what, you know, with a, you know, with a married, um, you know, son that's married to my daughter-in-law and a senior and a junior, and, um, you know, they live, the two oldest live in the Chicago area. Na-na-na-na-boo-boo, you're getting a foot of snow today. Um, <laughs> and, and for me here, um, you know, with Chloe in Kentucky, I don't see them every day. And so, but the thing of what I do is I will... Um, you know, I'll text, I'll call, I'll, we check in, we talk a lot, and not every, but most conversations, um, I try to just check in on them spiritually, yeah. and where are you? What's God teaching your life, you know, and what's, 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 you know, at times, it's kind of accountability, you know, if you found a home, church home, you know, ch- Chloe, when you're going to school, um, you know, what, what, did, what, what happened to church this week, and, and we'll have some really good conversations, you know, I already mentioned the the ongoing, you know, Bible, you know, yeah. uh, program that we have together. And so, again, it's just being intentional with that and, and not being afraid to to ask those questions, you know, and to, and to say, how are things going? You know, then probably once every two weeks, we're going to do a, a text thing with all, all six of us, and, you know, how can we pray for one another? And, and it's led to now where with anybody, when, when anybody has something going on because we have this, value in this pattern that some people just say, hey, pray for me, you know? Wow. And it's not me just asking, okay, everybody throw in a prayer request, but I got this big test today, or I've got a big meeting today, or whatever, and so they, they um, you know, they throw texts our way. So again, just intentionality, purpose is, uh, it's what's, and again, I'm far from perfect, but, yeah. but that's, um, that's what's worked for me.
1: Well, but you're intentional about it, and I love that because you never stop parenting you know you you just never do you think well, they get the driver's license or they get to college or they get to married or but you know there's just always this relationship with your dad i mean that you, you know it doesn't matter if you're fifty or sixty out of here, there's still that relationship with your dad, so um thank you for doing that and for modeling that for us and Eric, you're doing such a fantastic job here, leading us as. A church and just the impact you're making on so many men and we just love serving God with you Mm. so I'm going to pray for us and then Thomas I'm going to turn it back to you thanks appreciate it brother father God thanks for Eric God just thank you for the anointing on his life God thank you that you are his father Um, and God that he really is transforming his family tree and uh, just the impact that you're making through him in his marriage and in his kids and Father, for generations. And thank you, God, for his leadership here at Rolling Hills. And Father, just so many people that are being impacted. And, and God, we just feel such momentum and such excitement right now. And, and God, you're using Eric in a powerful way. And so, Father, fill him, God, with your spirit. Give him joy in the journey and continue to bless him. And God, I pray for all of us that we would be godly husbands, godly fathers, and men after your heart. that we would seek you all the days of our lives, God. And so bless each man who's watching and listening We're here today, Father, for Your name and for Your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. That was great. We appreciate
0: having you on staff, obviously, and then sharing with us this morning. So, uh, hey guys, be on the lookout this afternoon. Men's Leadership Network email will come out. It's the MLN Rewind email. Uh, It'll have a link to the website, Men'sLeadershipNetwork.com. You can find over fifty videos, just like today's interview. Uh, with past guests, etc. Uh, it's a great resource. It's easy to forward on to peers, etc. Uh, so look, look for that email. Uh, next week we have the privilege of uh, welcoming Special Agent Stanley Jones of the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency. So Stan's going to be with us and we're going to talk about the o- opioid crisis that we're experiencing in America and how we can protect ourselves but then also protect our families and how we can be a part of the solution in our community. So, Uh, I'm pretty interested in hearing about this, and I hope you guys will join us next week. We'll get started at 6.30 with breakfast and kick off around 6.55. I hope you can join us.